Welcome to the Mission Motherhood Podcast, a podcast created to help you conquer the mental load of motherhood so you can be intentional with the missions God has called you to both in and out of motherhood. Here, you will learn how to manage it all, your time, your home, your family, your career, and more, so you can go from feeling overwhelmed and stretched thin to mothering with joy and living fully on purpose for the Lord. If you're ready to change your motherhood narrative, reclaim your joy, own your time, and get back to your mission, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, founder, and CEO of Mission Motherhood, Caroline J. Sumlin. Ready? Let's do this. Hey mama, welcome back to the Mission Motherhood Podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today. Today is the final episode of season one. So congratulations, you made it to the end of the season. And if you are just joining the Mission Motherhood Podcast journey, if you've only ever tuned into either this episode or a couple of episodes prior, you've got about a month and a half to binge all the episodes until season two. I will be launching season two at the beginning of the year. So just a month and a half off. It's going to give me some time to really make sure I'm getting some amazing content ready for you all. Give me a time or a chance to get ahead on some episodes and ahead on some work and set some goals for 2021 and serve my students inside Mission Motherhood Academy and really get ready for the new year and what is in store for the Mission Motherhood Academy as well. So lots of stuff happening, lots of stuff coming. I'm not going anywhere per se. I will still be on social media. And of course, I will still be serving my students inside my academy. And then I'll be preparing to open the doors to the academy again very, very soon. So a lot of fun things happening. And of course, the most important part, which is taking some time to rest for the holidays, taking some time to be with family and to unplug for a bit. It's been quite a year, as we all know, and it's important to take some time to stop and to rest and to breathe and to set some goals and set some attention and go within, you know, so much of the work that I do and a lot of us do, regardless of what industry you're in. Um, but specifically for me as an as a creative entrepreneur, a lot of the work that I do is very forward facing. It's all me behind a mic, me in front of social media, behind or me in front of my camera, those kinds of things, me teaching workshops to my students inside Mission Motherhood Academy on client calls with my private clients. And that's a lot of forward-facing work. And I'm also a busy full-time homeschool mom. I homeschool my two daughters. Well, primarily my, my, my oldest daughter, my second one, just kind of tags along with us and kind of participates, if you will, as much as a 20-month-old can. But I'm a busy, 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 busy mama. And I definitely need some time to turn in and like like turn within go go internal if that makes sense and really begin to make sure I am getting some structure and some plan and some in clarification in place for the way that I'm going to continue to run this business run um what you know create my content and serve you all and make sure that I'm able to show up the best that I possibly can as a mom, as a wife and a mom, first and foremost, and then of course for you all and this work that God has called me to. So I encourage you to do the, you to do the same thing. If you are um, working full-time with a company or what have you, and if you have the ability to take advantage of some paid time off, I encourage you to do so. In fact, I encourage you to take some time off that has nothing to do with the holidays. Take a day or two off before 
a holiday comes around. And maybe just take some time to work on some personal things. If you have your kids in daycare, you have that luxury of being able to do that, or you have them in have them in school, then maybe you can still drop them off at school, but then you can go spend the day at a coffee shop and you can just kind of go spend some time working on yourself. I think that's very, very important. And it's important to do all that before the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. But if you're just reserving your time off for just the holidays and you're always going to be around family, which is great, but you're going to be around family, you're going to still be kind of doing a lot of outward energy um, releasing, I guess. I don't know if releasing is the right word, but you're going to be expending, expending a lot of energy outward by being around people, by serving your family, by serving your children, by, you know, um, getting together, even though we're in the middle of the COVID pandemic right now. So we're not really going to be getting together with too many people. But even if that's a bunch of Zoom calls with your family, it's still it's still stuff and you still have your, your family within your house, of course, and that's still energy. So I do encourage you to not only spend your time off for that because then when you have to come back to work in the new year or you have to get back on top of things shortly after a holiday season, you're going to be just, you're going to be twice as exhausted and you're going to think that you took all this time out to rest and enjoy the holiday season. And while you may have had a break from work, you probably didn't have a break from actually a lot of energy, energy um, expenditure. So I really recommend that you take that time to yourself, reserve some time to focus on you and to Fill your cup to its to the point where it's overflowing so that as you go throughout the rest of the year, you are not running on empty. That being said, I'm really excited for today's episode because as you saw from the title, I am actually going to be sharing with you all a little bit about my journey of self-hate and how it is now finally at a place where I can say that I truly love myself. So from self-hate to self-love. And the reason why I'm doing this episode and ending season one here, it not because I want you all to kind of end the episode on a downer or anything like that. I think this is going to be a really beautiful story, but because I want you all to really know me, to know my heart, and to know why this work that I do matters to me so much, and and also perhaps some clarity about why I believe that God has called me to this work, and to see how our stories really shape a lot of what God has called us to. So I'm excited for you to just get to know me a little bit more. And I really pray that this episode blesses you. Um, so I also want you all to know that this, this work that I do is, while it is for is for you, it's to glorify God and it's to serve you all. It's also work that I'm doing within myself. And I'm going through a lot of this right along with you. So don't ever for once think that I am someone that just has it all together and I know everything and I never struggle. That's not true. I may be a couple steps ahead of you in some way, shape, or form, and that is why you have trusted me to lead you when it comes to motherhood and it comes to managing your time as a mom, managing your home as a mom, creating space and time for yourself and your goals and the person that God has called you to be within motherhood and without motherhood. And yes, that may be an area that I'm able to lead you in because of the story that God has brought me through and how he has equipped me and how he has given me certain gifts and strengths to be able to take those and tap into those and use those to serve you. But that does not mean that I don't ever struggle. It does not mean that there aren't things that I'm going through right along with you. It does not mean that I have it all together by any means. It just means that I'm able to 
tap into the Lord and I'm able to go through the thing and then he turns around and he allows me to use it to serve you. And that's it. <laughs> that's all it is. And he's doing the same thing with you. The things that we go through, he just turns them around and he allows us to then use them to serve his kingdom and to glorify his kingdom and grow and serve somebody else. And that's all this is. Okay. So I'm going to go through a little bit of my story. Okay. We're going to go through my adoption story, a little bit of my childhood, a little bit of my teenage years, a little bit of my college story and a little bit of my motherhood story. But I promise I'm going to try to keep this maybe not short, 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 but it shouldn't be too, too long either. Okay. All right. So first, if you don't know, I was adopted and it's a really interesting story. And this could be an entire episode in and of itself. And it probably will be one day. And I think I've mentioned that in previous episodes. It's just a long one. It's weird. It's something, in fact, if you want to hear more about my adoption story, I would love to hear from you. I would love for you to hit me up on Instagram and let me know because then I'll know whether or not I should do a whole episode about it. But it's it's a very interesting story. But to keep a long story short, I was adopted when I was about three and I was brought to Minnesota to live with my mom. I was in New York before that. And even though as a little child, I didn't know a bunch of details about my adoption, I did find out that I was adopted very early. I found out when I was about four, which I highly recommend, by the way. Um, I think the way that I found out was not a way that my mom wanted me to find out because one of her friend's daughters told me and I came home and I was like, so such and such name, I'm not going to say the name, but you know, we'll call her Susie. Susie told me that I adopted and my mom was like, thanks Susie. <laughs> so She was not planning on telling me like that, but I do know she was planning on telling me as soon as she knew that I was able to comprehend it. And I think she was planning on around age four or five. So I just found out a little bit differently than what she had planned. So I've known, I don't remember ever not knowing. I don't even remember that story. So she told me, I, when I was older, I had to ask my mom, how did I find out that I was adopted? Because I always just knew I was adopted. I never had any moment in time where I went from thinking that I wasn't adopted to knowing that I was or ever have any memory of not knowing that I was adopted. So I've always known that. So at a young age, I think there was already this feeling of feeling like I was kind of like a mistake, like I didn't belong anywhere. Not when I found out per se. However, I think a couple of things. One, when you are adopted, this is very important to know. And I know a lot of mamas that listen are potentially going to be adoptive mothers or you maybe already have adopted children. And I feel very strongly about this. I really always want to advocate for the children that are adopted because children that are adopted can often be, I don't want to say forgotten about when you've adopted them, you're not forgetting your child, but you may for, you might be, it's easy to forget or easy to try to dismiss the real implications that adopt that adoption has on a child. And while it is a huge blessing, of course, I would not want my alternative life knowing what I came from, knowing that my birth parents were mentally challenged, knowing that they were from the projects in Harlem, New York, knowing that my biological mother lived in a facility for mentally challenged adult individuals. She was not able to care for herself. She was a ward, a ward of the state. Knowing that I was immediately going to be whisked away into social services and my biological grandmother, who was my biological father's mother, she asked for custody of me. She won that custody, and but she 
kind of was my foster mother. I think she was receiving money from the state of New York to foster me, to care for me. But I was still, they, she still had to have um, conversations with social, social services. So from my understanding, it wasn't necessarily custody as much as it was a foster situation. She was allowed to foster me, but then she did not actually take care of me. She did not actually foster me. Um, I was fostered by somebody else. She just dropped me off there a couple of weeks at a time and she would come and visit me or pick me up on the weekends and spend time with me and then she dropped me back off at this other place in which I was fostered at and that was also not a very good situation it was a very rundown apartment not the best place to be in so I have a lot of feelings and frustrations with that particular process um and I didn't really find out all of that right away I didn't know that I knew that I had this biological grandmother, I knew that there was a couple times that my mom took me to see her out of kind of like a requirement. And I knew how those visits made me feel. And I knew that they didn't make me feel very good. So as a young child, that's all I knew. And then I also knew just my story in Minnesota with my mom. And I knew that just between my struggles as a child, with difficulties with my mother, difficulties with other other children my age difficulties making making friends with people kind of always feeling like I didn't belong just always having those feelings in general I think a lot of that was already biologically within me and you as a child you just don't know how to express that you don't realize that as an adult you come back you you, you look back on yourself and you're like oh okay that's where that came from I really struggle with that because of some perhaps really psychological damage. And um, there's actually a book called The Primal Wound that I keep meaning to read. I just haven't bought it yet. It's on my long list of things to read. And it talks about the wound of the adopted child and how when they are not able to stay with their biological mother and stay with the scent of their biological mother after they're, after they're born and they don't have that skin to skin and they don't have the nursing relationship and they they're looking for the only sense that they know and they're taken away from it. The exact psychological damage that happens there is the same psychological damage that happens if it was the actual death of that parent. That's all the brain knows. The brain, that that baby has been bonding with her mother inside of the womb for nine months and that's all they know. That is their home and they're taken away from their home. So there are severe psychological implications that happen when a child is adopted and that play out throughout their entire life it is the reason why certain things affect me differently than they may affect others. It's the reason why I struggled with feeling abandoned. It's the reason why I struggled with thinking anytime I made a mistake or anytime someone didn't talk to me or I didn't have a friend or a friend left me or they didn't include me in something or my mom was upset with me or whatever that may happen, I immediately equated that with worthiness. I immediately equated that with and not being a good not being good enough and also would be fearful that I would be abandoned again. So that's a huge just weight to grow up with as a child and of course as children we can't really articulate that. So that's just how it it played out and of course as an adult I am now learning these things. I'm learning the trauma and I'm healing from that trauma and I'm seeing how it comes out in various circumstances as a married woman, as a mother and as just a woman in general, you know. So that's my adoption story and it essentially led to me feeling like I had to earn my love if I could kind of sum that up always having to earn my love. And 
being the daughter of my mother who adopted me, whom is great, by the way. I love her. We're very close. Um, but growing up, it was just us. So I do have a, or had a father. My father passed away a few years ago. But my my mother and my father were already separated when my mom adopted me. And then they were on their way to divorce. Now, my father still took me in and raised me and my parents together raised me as divorced parents. But I did not ever have two parents in the house together, if that makes sense. So it was just me and her in the house together ourselves. I do not have any siblings, so I never had an older sibling or a younger sibling to ever just feel like I had anyone on my side. I was just very lonely. Often everything that ever happened was always my fault. And my mother like I said, whom being very, very great, I want to make sure I'm making that very clear. She also could just be a little harsh sometimes and often made me feel like that if I made a mistake, I was a bad person and I was just awful. I just remember feeling very awful anytime I made a mistake or didn't get the best grade or lost a mitten or whatever the case may be. And I often felt like I was just not good enough, that I was in her way that I needed to earn love by being perfect and successful. She had a lot of high standards, which I don't disagree with high standards. I have high standards for my children, but I also want to support them in meeting those standards. I do believe that as a child, I was just given high standards and is expected to meet them on my own. And I think that's the difference there. But having high standards and feeling like I, if I didn't meet them, that I was a failure, that I was bad, um, that my mom was going to be mad at me. I just really feared her being mad at me and really feared her reaction for a lot of things. And just kind of remember not really feeling like I could feel safe in those circumstances. And so that has also affected me and is one of the reasons why I was so excited and so ready and felt a very strong pull to be a mother and to be a mother of daughters. So two reasons, you know, one being adopted, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to birth a child and meet the first person that had my DNA. I, besides my biological grandmother, but you know what I mean? I couldn't wait to, to have that first maternal connection that I never, like that biological maternal instinct connection. The fact that my children are very clingy to me, which can sometimes get frustrating. I get it. And I need to work on sometimes when it is frustrating, but it's also normal for things to get frustrating. And we can't just let our children cling to us all the time. But I'm so glad that they are clingy to me because I know that I was not clingy to my mother. I was never clingy to my mother. And so it's a new feeling. So I do get frustrated because it's kind of new, but I'm so glad that they just draw to me and they love me and they love to be next to me and they want to touch me and they want to they just want to sit with me and I I love that I never experienced that and I couldn't wait to experience that I feel like me giving birth to two beautiful girls is part of the Lord redeeming a lot of the trauma and hurt that I went through um being an adopted lonely child so really just that's part of the reason why I'm so passionate about motherhood that's part of the reason why I don't take motherhood lightly it's part of the reason why I really believe that it is, I see how, how important motherhood is, how it's just the, the biggest honor and it's the biggest calling. And I'm on this mission to help women redefine motherhood because we have to show our world that motherhood is not a burden. It is not a burden. It is the most beautiful blessing in the world. It is the most beautiful ministry in the world. It is one of the most, if not the most impactful ministry that we could ever be blessed to be a part of, ever be blessed to be a part of, like seriously. So I'm so passionate about that. And a lot of that comes from my childhood and, and now being able to have 
the gift and the blessing to redeem that through my children. Moving into my teenage years, I really struggled with friends and finding my place. I really struggled with that. Um, As a child, I had a couple close friends, so don't get me wrong. But as a teenager, I struggled with friends and finding my place. And um, a lot of that also has to do with, you know, being a black girl who growing up in a very suburban white area, but that's not the episode for this. There will be other time for that, believe me. But there's part of that, of course. But just in general, regardless of the reason, I had difficulty finding friends and finding my place. And of course, I equated a lot of that to a lot of those childhood feelings that I always had of feeling like I wasn't good enough or feeling like I I I needed to earn my love and those kinds of things. So that's where the self-hate really began to set in. And I really began to deal with depression and feeling like I was worthless. I remember coming home and I remember writing the word worthless on my arm. And the truth is I wanted to actually hurt myself and hurt my arm, but I didn't. I was a little chicken and I'm glad that I was. I'm glad that I didn't write that on my arm because that would have been there forever. Those scars would have been there forever. And I'm glad I never did that, but I wrote it with marker. And I remember coming home from school and writing in my journal about how much I just hated myself, how I was a mistake, how I wish I wasn't here, feeling like any and everything I did was wrong and that I just I don't know any other word for it besides worth, worth, worthlessness. I really felt like I didn't matter. I really felt like my body and my presence had no worth or value. Whether that was, again, struggling with friends or feeling like I wasn't wanted or feeling like I wasn't liked or, or still having struggles with my mom and struggles with feeling like I wasn't measuring up or whatever the case was. Those, I think just all of the 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 emotional trauma from birth all the way up to being a teenager, I think because it wasn't properly dealt with and who would have known that, right? Like it's nobody's fault. I don't, you know, my mom didn't take a a class, a parenting class in how to parent your adopted child and to help them through their trauma of being adopted. I don't know if classes out there exist. I'm sure they do. Whether or not they existed back in 1993, I have no idea. But If they do exist now and you are going to adopt a child or you have adopted a child, I highly recommend you find something like that or read books about it because the way we parent our children and the way we help them through things as children, if I had been able to see a child therapist, if I was, if things were really worked on and the way that I was loved really was to make sure that there was never a question about whether or not I was wanted, never a question about whether or not I was loved. And knowing that as an adopted child, I was going to think those things by nature, you know? And I think, I do think that, because I've had conversations with my mom about this, and I think that there's a part of her that thinks that, well, I'm blaming her, and I'm absolutely not blaming her, or that even my feelings of not liking myself or feeling worthless or not liking my life or whatever the case may be were direct attacks on her and her parenting, and that wasn't the case either. I just had some really huge emotional stuff that I should have worked through as a child, I think would have resulted in better teenage years, but that's okay because God, my story God was writing my story and he turns all things around for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And every attack the enemy attempted to use from the moment I was born and attacking even my birth and attacking 
my existence all the way through now, God has turned around to use for his good and his glory and his growth in the kingdom. And it's a beautiful story and it's a redemption story. And it's not one that I am ashamed of by any means. But I did have those feelings as a teenager. And in order to not deal with my feelings too much, um, that's something I really struggle with. I struggle with dealing with my feelings and I tend to get busy instead. I tend to do things. And that's still true to this day. I'm not a very emotional person as in like, I don't cry a lot. I probably resort to anger more than I resort to sadness. Um, it takes a lot for me to, to cry, which is very, very interesting considering all the trauma that I've been through, but it's true. And I don't like to really deal with my feelings. I don't like to really sit with them. Even when I journal, I let in fact, that's part of the reason why I journal and part of the reason why I love to write because I can allow the depths, I think, of my soul and of my spirit to really come across in my words. And that's kind of where I'm doing my emotions, if you will. Doing my emotions makes zero sense, but that's where I am expressing my emotions. That's a better word is through my words and I, I really do think that's why God gifted me with the ability to write and I love writing and I, I hope to grow in my writing career because of because of the fact that emotions are are difficult for me. And I, as a teenager, would not deal with my feelings too much and I would do things that made me feel valuable. And so I've always been a very busy person and I always liked to do things that I love to do. I loved to play tennis as a child. I played tennis from the moment I was about four all the way through college. I loved to play in the band. I played the flute and sitting in band every single day playing music was one of my favorite things to do. I miss that so much as an adult right now. And I began acting as a teenager and began competing in speech tournaments. If you don't know what speech is, it's amazing. I'm not going to go into it right now, but it's really cool. So I began acting and competing in speech tournaments and I fell in love with them. I really discovered my ability to speak and to act and to perform and how much I absolutely loved it and came alive doing those things. It was, it was definitely one of the things that allowed me to see the kind of career that I wanted to have. I knew that I wanted to continue with speaking and performing and writing because I enjoyed writing as well as a career. It's part of the reason why, not part of it, is the reason why I ended up uh, majoring in journalism as a uh, college student when I went to Howard University. I am not a journalist anymore, as that is obvious. <laughs> but as you can see, in my current work that I do, I am using my ability to speak, my ability to perform, my ability to write, as I am even sitting here recording this podcast episode for you. And when I am teaching my workshops and when I'm creating content, it's my favorite thing to do. And I do really miss actual acting and I do miss competing in speech tournaments and I hope that I can take my speaking career to some other levels as well because I really do come alive with those things and I love to be able to take the things that I love and use them for God's glory. And I think that is so important. I think that that's why he gave us the gifts and talents that he gave us. And if it was not for all the things that I had been through in, in coming into channeling those things in acting and speech, I wouldn't know that. I would not know how much I love this. I would not have discovered that. And I truly believe that that's what God wants to do with us. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for 
all the entire story and I'm grateful that even though it's probably not the healthiest thing to do and I need to work on dealing with my feelings more and I am don't get don't get me wrong I'm working on it I'm grateful that I I did kind of channel that energy I could have channeled it in a much more unhealthy way but I channeled that energy into acting and competing in speech tournaments and while the heart posture was to do things that made me feel valuable it made me feel important and later on as an adult I was able to discover that my value and my worth and my identity is in Christ I was still able God was still able to say yeah you may not be doing that for the right reasons you're only 16 years old but I'm going to show you how good you are this I'm going to show you that I've actually gifted this in you and call you to this I'm going to start planting those seeds now that they're going to grow and as you when you grow and you mature you're going to be able to use that for my glory so that's that story there um so again even though one of my darkest times was when I was a teenager I just love discovering those parts of myself that that God that God gave me and I'm grateful for the 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 fullness of that time. I'm grateful for the entire the entire story. So in college is when I really actually began to discover the Lord. And I actually believe that God sent me to college to not to not just start a career and I I really didn't I did not start a journalism career even though I majored in journalism. But in college that's when I discovered the Lord. Jesus stripped away every single thing that I actually use as, as distractions and identifiers, i.e. speech and theater. So I really struggled with that for a little bit there because I felt like, well, now I have to really sit and and deal with my self-hate. And and it's true that that particular season of my life was a season where just the Lord stripped so much to the point where I had to really face him. I had to really find my worth and value in him. I still struggle. I still try to find other ways to work myself to the ground and stay busy so that I felt worthy. And I would, I was very involved in things on campus and that was great. I really enjoyed that. I I was able to hone my speaking by doing things like student government and participating in speak outs when I ran for student government. I was able to be on the executive board for a couple of different organizations that I was in. I pledged my sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Alpha Chapter at Howard University. And I was a part of the band. I was in concert band and I loved that. So I was able to hang on to a couple of those things. But I was not able to do speech and theater. And that was one of the things that I was holding on to as like my whole worth and value. And God said, no. And I probably entered into some even darker times in college, even though I was finding Christ more, I had to really begin to peel back the layers of the onion and discover why it was that I struggled so much with my worth, with my identity. And I had to, it it took me to the point where I had to wake up. I was at a point where I was allowing men to abuse me in my relationships because I felt like I would never find anyone else who could handle my brokenness. And it wasn't until I was in an abusive relationship for about a year that I finally woke up or I finally was at, I was at my wits end. I was on my knees. I was at one of my lowest points and I was finally saying, all right, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want. I want to live for you. And I had spending, I had been spending the four years in college discovering more about the Lord, getting involved in like church and things like that. But I was still growing. I was still learning, but I hadn't fully surrendered. I hadn't fully had that moment of Lord, my life is for yours. Strip everything away from me that is not of you. I want to follow you. I want to follow your will because the way that I'm trying to live my life is not working. And it took me getting to that very low point in that relationship that I was in. But from that moment, and I remember it so clearly, I was in 
my apartment at the time on the floor. That was an actual moment where I actually had some real emotion. And the, the moment I said those words, I felt the chains fall off. I really did. I felt the weight of the world lift. I felt truly free and nothing dramatic changed in that moment. But everything dramatic changed in that moment because the Lord was in that room and he really saved me in that moment. And from there, I said, your will, not my will. And the the trajectory of my entire life changed. When I thought I was going to go be a journalist, I actually heard God tell me, no, don't go do that. I continued working at Apple post-graduation and I met my husband and here we are. Um, and again, the, the, the change just the chains just completely fell away and he began to really save me. He began to really redeem me. I began to see myself the way that he saw me. I began to look at myself in the mirror and see someone who had been through so much, but that God still was carrying the entire time, was still guiding the entire time, was still waiting for with arms open wide, just waiting and waiting and waiting and saying, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. And when I finally accepted him and he wrapped me in his arms and has never let go, even the times where I am so stubborn and struggle to feel him sometimes. And there's so many things that I still struggle with now. Don't get me wrong. But that was the moment that my life changed. And that was the moment that I surrendered to him. And that was the moment I finally began to feel feel free and see myself the way that God saw me. And I entered into one of the most beautiful seasons of my life post-graduation from college. I just loved myself. I spent so much time with God. I found a new church. I got plugged into that church and met some really amazing people. And I really just was just, I was feeling myself. I was feeling myself through the Lord. Okay. Not feeling myself in a vain kind of way, but feeling myself through the Lord. And I was in a beautiful, beautiful season. It was a, finally, I was like, ah, here it is. Here is the freedom that I had been searching for. So as a mom, there are still things I deal with. Self-hate and identity have crept back up in motherhood. And And it's hard. God uses motherhood to really sanctify us. God uses marriage to sanctify us. And I work through those issues a lot. I work through feeling, man, I remember when I was first, when I first became a stepmother, I really, like, I went down a spiral of self-hate because I was trying so hard to prove myself to be the best stepmom that I could possibly be. And I also struggled with placing my identity in motherhood, placing my identity in, in in the work that I was doing, struggling with hating my job and wanting to be a better mother and trying to be perfect in everything that I did so that I could prove that I was worth my marriage and prove that I was worth my children. Like I really felt like I was not worthy of them and that I had to prove that. Um, thankfully, God always redeems. And Knowing who I am in Jesus is really what changes everything. And thankfully, when I do spiral like that, I come back so much quicker now because I already had my original kind of come to Jesus moment. And I devote time to spending in the Lord, to spending in my word. I devote time to spending with the Lord. And I I have not looked back since. And I know deep down who I am in Jesus. I know in the surface who I am in Jesus. I know who Jesus is. And that really does change everything. 
I know that God called me to motherhood to begin breaking these generational curses with my daughters so that my daughters do not have to ever feel like they are not worthy, ever question that, that they are image bearers of the Lord. They, they will never have to question that. I pray. I pray that. And I'm not putting that on me. I know that the Lord is going to equip me. I know that they belong to God. I know that I am praying for them and over them. And I know that God has an amazing plan for them. And I fail daily. I feel like I fail daily. And again, I see how my brokenness comes into motherhood often. I see how I can sometimes be a little quick to snap on something. Or I see how when I start to not do the best job in certain areas, how I just end up hating myself or I see how, and I shouldn't say I hate myself in like I used to, but I see how I begin to get very frustrated with myself. And I can see how times where I might show my daughters that and I, and I need to redeem that. But you know what the beautiful thing is that my, my redemption is weighing much heavier than my failures. And I'm able to, because of how, because of who God is and who he is in me, when I have those moments where I'm not doing my best, I'm able to come to my daughters and say, Hey, mom is not doing that. Well, will you forgive me? And this is why I need Jesus. This is why we need Jesus. And that's the beautiful thing. We will never be perfect, but God is always, 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 always redeeming. And God is also using his calling of motherhood over my life to slowly reveal to me how he has also called me to use my other gifts for his glory. Like I mentioned before, I never would have imagined that using my gifts in speaking and using my gifts in writing and using my gifts in in creating would be to glorify him but through mother but through motherhood and helping mothers specifically you can see that the 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 trend or the 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 theme that threads throughout my story is really about motherhood from my biological mother who gave birth to me who was not able to take care of me through my adoptive mother through who I am now as a mother and how god now has chosen me to help other mothers it's crazy and it but at the same time it's that's so god right he's so sweet and he's so intentional and it's so beautiful and i look forward to helping each one of you see how has god you how what is your story and how is god using your story what is your calling of motherhood let's dive deep let's figure out why God has called, not maybe, and we won't ever know exactly why, but God has called you to motherhood and we can discover some things. You know, I, of course we, we won't know the whole story. I'm not saying the only reason why God has called me to motherhood is because of, is because of this, but I know that that's part of it. And even when we know just part of it, even when we're able to, to dig deep and I, and identify why this calling is so important and why he's called you, why he said, hey, you, I have a plan for you. And part of that is calling you to raise your children and looking through the lens that God uses as much as we can. We won't know everything. God is God, of course, but seeking him for that. He will be so sweet to reveal things to us that he does want us to know because it allows us to really dig deep into our purpose as as mothers. And in other things that he's called us to, I'm excited to help you with that. And I'm excited to also begin helping you more look into how else is he using you? You are a whole complete being in the Lord. You are a woman. You are a daughter of the King. You have gifts and talents and strengths inside of you. And he wants to use all of you. He wants to use you to be an amazing mother and to raise tiny disciples. And he wants to use you to, if you are married, be a wife. If you're not married, that's okay too. Whatever he's called you to do in that area, I'm not 
not a marriage specialist. I'm not going to go there. But if he has called you to marriage, he's called you there for a reason. But he, he's given each and each and every one of us certain things. And he's written certain stories in our lives. And he is just waiting for us, I think, to tap into those things that he said, hey, I've given you these gifts. I've given you these strengths. I've, I've, I'm, I would want to take those things that have hurt you in your past and, and turn them around for my glory. And I want you to see my beauty throughout your story. I want you to, sh- I want you to see how I can take your ashes and turn them into beauty. I want you to see how I've been writing the whole time. I want you to see that. And I want to use you and I want you to delight in me and, and through delighting in me that you can then delight in the gifts and strengths and talents that I have given you. And you can then begin to use them for my glory. And I believe that so many of us out there as mothers are just scared. We're scared. We think that we're not allowed. We think that we're not allowed to, to do anything else in a, in besides being a mother. And I don't like the word more because motherhood, even if that's the only thing that we do do, is more than enough. And it is the highest, one of the most amazing, highest callings we can be called to. It is so important. But I shouldn't say highest. It's one of the most important callings we can be called to. But if we're not allowing ourselves to tap into anything else out of fear, then we have to remember that fear is not of the enemy. I'm sorry, that's wrong. We have to remember that fear is not of the Lord. Okay, fear is of the enemy. So I think that in 2021, it's time for us as we go into this new year, it's time for us to say, hey, Lord, I'm ready for you to use me in every single way that you want to use me. I'm ready for you to use me even more in motherhood. And I'm ready for you to use me even more in life in general. Whatever you have for me, God, I want you to use me. And I can't wait to delight, not even can't wait. I'm right now, starting now, I'm going to delight in you. And I can't wait for you to reveal to me how you've called me to glorify your kingdom. That's what this is about, you guys. My passion is not routines and organization itself. And while I love routines and organization, like I think it's super important and I just also think that way. I see how it's it's very it's 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 necessary. We can't really be all that God has called us to be without the basics down, without laying that foundation, without really getting the things in order that we need to get in order and learning how to manage the life that he's given us. That's very important. We have to learn how to manage the life that God has given us and we have to learn how to manage it well so that we can create room to do even more that God has called us to. That's very important, but that's, 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 that's the purpose right there. That's why I teach what I teach. That's why I begin teaching everyone how to manage the life that they've been that that they've been given so that we can not only just focus way less on being overwhelmed and focus on stewardship of the life we've been given, but then we can also begin to just ever so slightly tap into, okay, Lord, do you have anything else for me? I am ready. I do see that I have room. I can do that thing that I've been wanting to do. I can start that business or maybe it's not business. I can volunteer at that nonprofit. I can start a book club with my closest friends, or I can lead a small group in my church, or I can maybe adopt another baby. Maybe you want to adopt a baby, but you're not sure how you're going to be able to adopt a child when you are swimming and drowning in your own children that you have now, not drowning in your children, but you're swimming and drowning in motherhood right now, and you're struggling to manage everything, but you have hopes to adopt a third, but you're scared. And you know you're called to adopt, but you're scared because you're so, because you're struggling right now. That's why this matters. That's why this is so important. That's why God has has called me to this work and why I am so passionate about it. And that's what I wanted you to know. 
That's what I wanted you to know. He has called you to motherhood for a reason. Motherhood is a gift, a joy, an honor, a privilege. Let's own this narrative of motherhood, not the negative one we're told in our modern mommy day culture. No, no, no. We had to own that. And we have to own the things that God has called us to outside of motherhood. Okay. You are a complete daughter of the King. Even if you're in a season right now where motherhood is the only calling you are able to steward, it does not mean that there aren't other things he's calling you to. It might look slow right now and you may only have room for small steps, but you can create room for what God is calling you to as long as your heart posture is in submission for God's will and his timing. And his timing. Mama, that's it for you. That's all I've got for you today. That is the end of season one. And I thank you for hanging out with me. I thank you for your devotion to this community. Every single one of you that sends me messages, I'm just so grateful for you. Every single listener, I'm grateful for you. I can't wait for all that's in store in season two coming in January. But of course, as always, as you're listening to this episode or any other episode that you may be listening to, let me know. Come find me on Instagram. Send me a screenshot of you listening. Tag me. I'd love to reshare that. I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to say hi. I seriously answer all of my DMs. Anytime you say hi, I'm like, hey, how's it going? How can I pray for you? So come say hi to me. I would love to connect with you. And that being said, I'll see you in season two. Thank you for listening to the Mission Motherhood Podcast. You can check out the show notes for this episode at carolinejsumlin.com slash blog. If the content of this episode helped you in any way, please take a few minutes to share this episode with a mama friend, share this podcast to your Instagram stories, and leave us a review in iTunes and subscribe to the show. Thank you so much for listening, mama. See you next time.